It's April 6th, and you are listening to the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. This is the podcast where we are reading through the Bible together in one year, through the one-year Bible plan in the New Living Translation. And we will kick off today with our Old Testament reading in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and chapter 30, starting in chapter 29, verse 1. These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites while they were in the land of Moab. In addition to the covenant, he made with them at Mount Sinai. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, You have seen with your own eyes everything the Lord did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his whole country. All the great tests of strength, the miraculous signs, and the amazing wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you minds that understand, nor eyes that see, nor ears that hear. For forty years I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other alcoholic drink, but he provided for you, so you would know that he is the Lord your God. When we came here, King Sion of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan came out to fight against us, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it to the tribes of Reuben and Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh as a grant of land. Therefore, obey the terms of this covenant so that you will prosper in everything you do. All of you, tribal leaders, elders, officers, all the men of Israel, are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God. Your little ones and your wives are with you, as well as the foreigners living among you who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here today to enter into the covenant of the Lord your God. The Lord is making this covenant, including the curses. By entering into the covenant today, he will establish you as his people and confirm that he is your God just as he promised you as he swore to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you are not the only ones with whom I am making this covenant with its curses. I am making this covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of the Lord our God, and also with the future generations who are not standing here today. You remember how we lived in the land of Egypt, and how we traveled through the lands of the enemy nations as we left. You have seen their detestable practices and their idols made of wood, stone, silver, and gold. I am making this covenant with you, So that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe, will turn away from the Lord your God to worship these gods of other nations, so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. Those who hear the warnings of this curse should not congratulate themselves, thinking, I am safe, even though I am following the desires of my own stubborn heart. This would lead to utter ruin. The Lord will never pardon such people. Instead, his anger and jealousy will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will come down on them, and the Lord will erase their names from under heaven. The Lord will separate them from all the tribes of Israel to pour out on them all the curses of the covenant recorded in this book of instruction. Then the generations to come, both your descendants and the foreigners who come from distant lands, will see the devastation of the land and the diseases the Lord inflicts on it. They will exclaim, The whole land is devastated by sulfur and salt. It is a wasteland with nothing planted and nothing growing, not even a blade of grass. It is like the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adam and Zibium, which the Lord destroys in his intense anger. All the surrounding nations will ask, why has the Lord done this to the land? Why was he so angry? And the answer will be, this happened because the people of the land abandoned the covenant that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Instead, they turned away to serve and worship gods they had not known before, gods that were not from the Lord. That is why the Lord's anger has burned against this land, bringing down on it every curse recorded in this book. In great anger and fury, the Lord uprooted his people from their land and banished them to another land where they still live today. 
the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. Chapter 30, verse 1. In the future, when you experience all these blessings and cursings I have listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you, take to heart all these instructions. If at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey with all your heart and all your soul all the commands I have given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. Even though you are banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you from there and bring you back again. I want to pause here because the text just assumes that the people are going to fall away. Uh, and even in their falling away, God doesn't give up on them. He's saying, here is a way back to me. That's what I love about God. He's always making a way for people to come back to him. You, you're never too far. You, you can always come back to God. I don't know who, who needs to hear that. Just You're never too far. Even the Israelites, even in Deuteronomy. Verse 5. The Lord your God will return to you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will possess that land again. And then he will make you even more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants, so that you will love him with all your heart and soul, and so you may live. Yes, Lord, we need you to change our hearts. Continuing, verse 7. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate and persecute you. Then you will again obey the Lord and keep all his commands that I am giving you today. The Lord your God will then make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock. He will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests, for the Lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you, and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey. It is not kept beyond sea so far that you must ask who will cross the sea and bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you to this day to love your Lord God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. I want to pause there. People ask, is God pro-choice or is he pro-life? Now, political uh, talk has made what I just said like fighting words for some of you. I'm not, I'm not talking about abortion right now. I believe God is pro-choice and pro-life that god even in abortion like he, he doesn't stop people from doing abortions right he gives people the choice to do it and I'm, again i'm not making a comment on policy or politics i'm just saying that god has given us all the choice we can choose to be life givers or life takers we can choose to choose the path of god which is a pathway of life or we can choose to make ourselves our own god and do what we want to do and like everybody else who makes themselves their own gods live a life of death. God wants you to choose life. He's pro-life. But you must understand, friends, the choice is yours. How do I choose life? By choosing to trust in Jesus, allowing him to change your heart and following his pathway, making him the center, the king of your life. All your decisions are based upon what would Jesus have me to do? What would honor and glorify God in this? You look to his word for your guidance in life, not your own opinions and feelings. 
verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice, there it is again, between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice, how? By loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that concludes our Old Testament reading, friends. Moving on to the New Testament, Luke chapter 11, verse 37 through chapter 12, verse 7. Starting in verse 37. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive and respect greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you have insulted us too in what you just said. Yes, Jesus said, what sorrows also await you experts in religious law, where you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. What sorrow awaits you, for you build monuments for the prophets your own ancestors killed long ago. But in fact, you stand as witnesses who agree with what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you join in their crime by building the monuments. This is what God in his wisdom said about you. I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute the others. As a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all God's prophets from the creation of the world, from the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, they will certainly be charged against this generation. What sorrow awaits you experts in religious law, for you remove the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom yourselves, and you prevent others from entering. As Jesus was leaving, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees became hostile and tried to provoke him with many questions. They wanted to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have witnessed behind closed doors, whatever you have whispered behind closed doors, will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that, but I'll tell you who to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet 
God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your heads are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Yes, my friends, let that sink in. God cares for the animals. He cares for the sparrows. So what makes you think he will not care for you? Whatever your worry is, whatever your worry is, God cares for the sparrows. You are infinitely more valuable. So valuable, in fact, that he sent his son to die the death you deserve to die, that you might have eternal life and live the life of obedience that you could not live on your own. I'm going to give you a brand new heart. So if he, if he did that for you, then whatever your anxiety or fear is now, then please, please remember that and let that settle in. Let that truth defeat the anxiety in your heart. Let others in your life provoke you, give you that truth so that fear may sink away. I need to hear that. Moving on to our proverb of the day. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 19 through 20. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. Moving on to our psalm of the day, and it is a long one. So as uh, we have been doing with these long psalms, I will just read it and then pray after. I would encourage you to go back, read it verse by verse, and pray as God would lead you. Psalm 78, the psalm of Asaph. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instruction to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his miraculous miracles, obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. They forgot what he had done, the great wonders he had shown them, the miracles he did for their ancestors on the plain of Zoan in the land of Egypt, where he divided the sea and led them through the making the water stand like walls. In the daytime, he led them by cloud and all night by a pillar of fire. He split open the rocks in the wilderness to give them water as from a gushing spring. He made streams pour from the rock, making the waters flow down like a river. Yet they kept on sinning against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. They even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes, he can strike a rock so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob. Yes, his anger rose against Israel, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. But he commanded the skies to open. He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna from the, for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. He released the east wind in the heavens and guided the south wind by his mighty power. He rained down meat as thick as dust, birds as plentiful as the sand on the seashore. He caused the birds to fall within their camp and all their tents. The people ate their fill. He gave them what they craved. But before they satisfied their craving, while the meat was yet in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed their strongest men. He struck down the finest of Israel's young men. Yes, Lord, let us never forget your glorious deeds. Uh, let us tell our children 
uh, about what you've done in your word and Lord, what you've done in our own lives. Let us tell others what you've done in your word and what you've done in our own lives. Lord, that is what it means to be an evangelist, to spread good news. What's the good news that God has done? What is the good news God has done for me? Lord, let us be people who share that. Lord, show me people who I can share that with. Give me a passion and an excitement to do that. Lord, I love you and I praise you. Amen. Thank you for uh, reading along with me today. And I hope to see you back here tomorrow for another day of reading through the Bible together.